Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm one of your hosts, as always, joined by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I paused for a few moments to watch the sun go down in the ocean, so that was nice. And then I was thinking I was like uh, James Woods in Family Guy. I was like, I'm sitting at my desk like, ooh, a piece of candy. Ah, yes, you were picking at those those M&Ms. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, yeah, it's just... like... I'm down to the plain M&Ms because yeah. uh, that's the last thing left in the variety pack. So you don't save the the best for the end. You you, you go straight for the... <laughs> there is a certain logic there. And, yeah. and, and for dinner, yes. I was like, oh, I'm going to save some of this for the very end. But when it's a bag of candy and you're only having one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. I mean, the Twix were all gone before I even knew it. It's like, wait, where are all the Twix? Also, the Twix were was I didn't realize. And I was, so well, I wasn't even picking them intentionally. There must have been only like four in there. The whole, in the whole thing. I felt. Yeah, I felt cheated of Twix. Must have been started, just four. I was rummaging. <laughs> I was rummaging around for one last Twix. Just one last Twix. Nope, gone. But anyway, we are somewhat here to talk about candy because you know why not? <laughs> but anyway, we are more because the here. Halloween candy is already in the store. It really is. It's kind of actually spooky. And that's and no and pun that's intended. The reason why I, that's the reason why I got a bag of candy. Uh, but yeah, in August, that is kind of wild. But anyway, we are here to talk about the Packers. Uh, before we get eventually, we are here. To, we are mostly here today to talk about the Packers game with the Patriots from this weekend. Lots to talk about there. Um, but before we do that, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. Uh, if you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, uh, videos we find interesting, different kind of film breakdowns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, pieces of news from the day pretty much one-stop shopping for anything packers related uh so come give us a follow there and if you like what you hear even more uh come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice we are on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, uh wherever you can find podcasts we also put all our episodes out on youtube uh if you subscribe to us there it would really help our numbers out so we'd really appreciate it um but yeah those are the pitches um anything you want to say dad or should we get into uh news and notes Let's get into news and notes. I think I've digressed enough already. Yes, I think you've digested enough already. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, first piece of news uh, for the Packers is on the injury report. Um, although I think actually, let's start with roster moves. Let's start with roster moves for the day. Um, the Packers have made two roster moves since the last time we spoke. Um, they placed Tyler Davis or on IR. Two pairs of them, any two pairs two, of them, anyway. Two pairs of them, so four, yes, technically. Uh, they placed Tyler Davis uh, tight end on IR, which was expected, and then slightly less expected was they waived Jake Hansen injured after his shin injury that he um, suffered during this Patriots game. He had previously suffered a or struggled with an elbow injury in camp, so just kind of a tough break for him. Um, but the corresponding moves to each of those was they signed linebacker Marvin Pierre, um, who was with the Cardinals and had played in the XFL previously, um, out of Kent State originally from college. A very good athlete, a relative athletic score of around nine. Um, a little on the smaller side, but very fast and very explosive. Um, the only thing he didn't do well was the three cone. Uh, his short shuttle was also good. And then they also signed corner Elijah Hamilton out of um, Louisiana Tech uh, from 2022. Uh, he had played in the XFL. Um, and spent uh, Louisiana Tech in 2020, yeah, 2022, um, played in XFL and spent training camp with the Dolphins last year. He is also an elite athlete, a relative athletic score of 8.77. Good size and good explosiveness. Not the fastest, but his 10-yard split was quite good. Um, And then his abilities. He's got a funny speed profile with elite 10-yard split 
and then poor 40-yard dash. Well, you, I think it, it's, it's just, a very uh, when you look at it, I think it's clear that he just doesn't have top-end speed because elite 10-yard right. split, he, he, mediocre 20-yard split, bad 40-yard dash. He, right, so it's, it's, just, it's just going down and down the whole way. Um, but he can get out of the blocks fast. Yes, which, you know, that's how often and, are you going to be running 40 yards? I mean, if you're a corner, I guess more often than than other positions, but yeah, and I, and I was curious. So like, okay, I look at his, when I when I first saw this, I was like, can this guy play safety? We, <laughs> so with my first thoughts, it's like, well, he's over 200 pounds. He's a bigger corner, and I ran his numbers as a safety. It's like 8.92. It's a, it, it it's a slightly better Russ. Yeah, and uh, with some of the injuries that we're going to talk about in just a second, they might need bodies at safety. So that's a good point. Um, but anyway, like we were saying, uh, unfortunately, a uh, big part of the news is the injury report. Uh, just going to read it off really quick. Um, during the game, uh, there were four injuries that I noticed, at least. Um, Dontavian Wicks left with a hamstring. Uh, Tarverius Moore, safety, like we were saying, left with a knee injury. He got rolled up on by his own teammate, which is always tough. Uh, and he was on the sideline icing it. He didn't go back to the locker room. So, you know, hopefully they didn't feel the need to do any imaging. But we just won't know that. Um and then Henry Pearson um, also left with a knee injury. Uh, he went. He did go back to the locker room, so that one's seeming a, maybe a little bit more serious. And then Jake Hansen, like we said before, uh, who was waived injured, left with a shin injury in that game. Uh, in terms of today's practice, we're recording this on Tuesday evening. Um, Tuesday's practice, players who were not participating, uh, Gene DeLance, defensive lineman, uh, was not participating back injury. Uh, Tarverius Moore, like we said, knee injury. Um, Bo Melton uh, has a hamstring injury. Um, Devondre Campbell is still out with an ankle injury. That is definitely one to monitor because he's really important to this defense. Yeah. Um, Though they Luke, said, was it last week, that they expect it not to be long-term. Oh, I had missed that. Whatever that's, that means. That's good news. That was okay. like the day after the report that there was like a walking boot and a, and a scooter at his locker. And then the next day or maybe two days after that, there was something about how they didn't really think it was going to be long-term. Okay. That's some um, good news. Maybe that was uh, – if that was like a Goody or LaFleur statement. I don't remember. I, th- I think maybe a Joe Barry one because he did also have a presser last week. Um, Joe Barry. Uh, beyond that, Luke Tenuta out with an ankle injury. Lou Nichols and Tyler Goodson both out with shoulder injuries. Um, Dontavian Wicks out with a hamstring injury today. Pearson out with a knee injury. Those two, like we said, happened during the game. Uh, David Bakhtiari out with rest, and Eric Stokes is still recovering from his injury from last year. He also did not participate. We did have uh, four players uh, return from injury, though, in this practice. Uh, Caleb Jones is back from his ankle injury that he sustained against the Bengals, so that's some good news. Corey Ballantyne was also back. Ennis Gaines was also back. Uh, And then Rashawn Gary was back to practicing in Team 11-on-11s for the first time, which is super exciting because that just seems like another step on his way to being ready for hopefully week one. Uh, against the Bears, and that would be pretty big to have him for that game. Um, Dad, any uh, thoughts on the injury report, or should we move on to talking about the game? Well, I'd say the the biggest news, of course, is Gary maybe getting ramped up in time to play week one, which would be amazing. Um, And Caleb Jones, I would say he was was back earlier than I expected um, from his ankle injury. Big man with a big man with a lower leg injury is always, you know, you never really know what to think because it's a lot of weight that has to go on those joints. But anyway, let's uh, move on to talking about the game, Dad. And as we do for all of these games, uh, just a quick overview. Um, the game was called early for a very scary injury to Patriots corner Isaiah Bolden, um, who was thankfully um, checked out of the hospital, had all feeling in his extremities that same evening, but very scary moment for 
players, fans, everyone. Um, it ended at the start of the fourth quarter, uh, New England 21, Packers 17. Um, but yeah, so thankfully it sounds like he's okay. Uh, and it was just a very scary moment and everything worked out there. Um, hopefully, you know, no complications and everything is all right for him, but dad on to talking about the game, um, and, uh, what was happening on the field. Uh, what was your gut check for this game? How do you feel like the Packers played? How do you feel like holistically about, uh, you know, Packers play Patriots play? How do you want to say this? So I would say the way I felt watching the game and even rewatching it is like, I felt there's a good chunk of the game where the Packers look like the better team. Um, and so I, I was kind of looking at drive by drive. So they had their kind of self-inflicted muff snap on their first session. So they kind of gifted a, a touchdown to New England almost. But in the next six drives of the game, Green Bay got two touchdowns on 164 yards for their three drives. While for the New England's three drives, they only had 44 yards and... Two of those drives ended on sacks by Enigbari, one a third down sack, and the other one a sack fumble, fumble recovery. And then the third drive was three and out for zero yards. So it really felt like there's a stretch there where they still had a lot of frontline players playing, and Green Bay was kind of dominating the game. Yeah, I I felt similarly. Um, I think the Packers played pretty well overall was my gut check, except they had just momentary lapses, I guess was how I felt. Like, really good play, and then just... Like plays where it's just like, okay, we stopped paying attention for a second and it really burned us. Or we big plays. Made, they we did took, give up big plays. Exactly. And so that's the Myers fumble early in the game. That's the big 28 yard run by Ramondre Stevenson early in the game. Um, that's the big pass play to Butte for the touchdown where uh, Anthony Johnson takes a bad angle and Carrington Valentine's not in position. Stuff like that where it's like playing really well, playing really well, playing really well, give up an explosive play. Playing really well, fumble the ball. Like stuff like that. And so, you know. For the most part, I think that's the type of performance that is okay in the preseason uh, because, you know, there's a there was a long stretch of good play and you hope that those little kind of mistakes get ironed out um, and also that a lot several players that are playing and making those mistakes would not be playing in a real game. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my gut check. Uh, but anyway, should we move on to more detailed analysis, Dad? Our first segment of the game, of our game analysis, that is, is by the numbers. And that is kind of, we, you know, we're a, we like to talk about data and numbers in this podcast. We, we, we're, we're not nerds. Afraid, we're not afraid to say it. Um, but anyway, this is kind of just a section where we each come with proud, some... Proud, proud nerd. Proud nerd. Uh, we each come with some stats from the game that we found interesting. Some things that were like, oh, that's kind of surprising. That's kind of interesting. Or, oh, that really stood out. Or this stat tells the story of the game. Kind of take it whichever way you want. Um, but you know, I have a handful, you have a handful. Um, I don't, I'll start if you don't mind. Uh, I had five, I think you had four, so that'll work out. Um, my first interesting stat of the game was according to PFF, the Packers didn't allow a single pressure in the entire game on 29 pass plays, uh, which I think is a real standout for both the starting offensive line and the depth of the offensive line, as well as the quarterbacks Clifford and love to kind of do well to not, um, invite pressure, so to speak. Uh, Rashid Walker was the highest rated pass blocker, uh, of the bunch. Uh, John Runyon Jr. was the highest graded run blocker, but you know, I think that's just a very nice day at the offense, uh, <laughs> a nice day at the office that is for the Packers offensive line, uh, and against a pretty decent front for new England. And that was kind of my first. Yeah, they've got, le- the they've got legit pass rushers up there and it just looked kind of routine. I mean, in the eye test, it's like they're, they're just in control. 
and it was it was a really nice day. And that was kind of the the first stat that jumped off the page to me, Dad. What was your first one? So I was looking at kind of at the the, the big picture for um, how the teams were running their offenses. So in just uh, kind of a, a, a you know, gross uh, summarization of the game, yards per play, Green Bay had. 6.1 yards per play to New England's only 4.5. And in terms of the passing game, if they want to look at like y- yards per attempt, kind of like a measure of your passing efficiency, Green Bay had 8.2 yards per attempt and New England only 4.5. Last year, that 8.2 would have been the best team in the NFL. Woo! Preseason game for one game, number one. Yep, we'll take it. And, uh, and, and, and in terms of like as an individual performance, it would have been behind um, I think Tua and Brock Purdy, but ahead of Mahomes, if it was like for for an individual player, not for a team. So yeah. very efficient uh, passing attack by the by the Packers in terms of uh, output per play. Yeah, and I I felt like you know both Love and Clifford played quite well today. Clifford kind of we'll talk about him a little later. He he threw the ball in harm's way a couple times, but it worked Ooh, out. Man, those guys took some punishment, but they bounced right up. Yeah, you know that's. He's just he's trying to toughen up his receivers. He's got to give him a couple just little pop-ups. Um, but anyway, uh, that kind of segues into the next stat that I want to talk about, which was in the running game. Um, the So for the Packers, this is actually running game both on offense and on defense. Uh, for the offense, uh, for the Packers, the starters had a success rate of 57% in the run game, which is pretty solid. Um, for reference, uh, success rate is... The number of like plays that were deemed a success divided by the total number of plays. And a success is deemed as 50% of the yards to gain on first down. So if it's first and 10, five yards. 70% of the yards to gain on second down. And then 100% of the yards to gain on third or fourth down. And I think success rate is a good measure. Um, it's good to measure the viability of a run game because... I personally, I think yards per attempt on running is a bit noisy and, you know, it can be often like if someone ran seven times for one yard and then one run for 40 yards, you know, 47, 47 yards uh, on eight carries is, is pretty good. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, maybe you just got lucky. I don't see it as, as predictive as other statistics right. because you know how often are you going to maybe you took the defense the, just did something if you took wrong. the median for those plays instead of instead of the average you would get one yeah. instead of six that's why that's why i like median as well but anyway um the starters had a success rate of 57 percent um while the backups had a success rate of 42 percent and those were both just by my count um Emmanuel Wilson did have the one explosive run of the day for the Packers, which is defined as a carry of more than 12 yards. He had one carry for 14 yards. So, you know, they were kind of grinding away, especially early. I thought the run game was really churning, and that's what you want to see is with the starting offensive with line against yeah. the ones, you're moving and, and, the ball. And not just – it was the push from the offensive line downfield that I thought was more than we've typically seen from this group. Yeah, they were playing physically, which was really good. Um However, and especially on... in contrast to what happened, are we going to talk about for the Friday practice in comparison? I mean, the Thursday oh. practice in comparison for the running I game. Would, I was going to end that on that, and that, um, you know, my, okay. my then go ahead. <laughs> well, my story of the game, I was going to end like at the end of the podcast talking about Thursday practice. But my story of the game, I can say now was like the Packers got punked on Thursday practice, and then came back and and showed back up, and ah. were like. We're not taking shit on on Saturday night. Like they, I wasn't they even thinking about the big Thursday. picture. 
I was actually just thinking about the running game specifically. Ah, no, yeah, I was about how they the running game was getting shut down by the Patriots and the practices from everything we heard. No, it's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking of it more big picture. Is like I wasn't, I wasn't thinking. I was just thinking in the context of this little seg- section. Yeah, and but uh, on defense, however, um, they gave up a success rate of fifty percent overall, and they did give up two explosive runs on eighteen design running plays, which uh, is not ideal. Um, you know, most of those successful runs did come on the Patriots' final drive of the game, but the explosive plays are still a problem. The uh, run to Ramondre Stevenson for 28 yards on the left side, um, Rudy Ford, like, fills the hole, and he's in the right spot. He just gets completely cleared out by the wide receiver, which, you know, it happens. But that was kind of my overall thought. I thought the the, the run game on offense with the starters was good, and then the run defense with the starters was you know, just worried about, worried about, a little worried about the explosive plays because, you know, we're a little worried about the run defense overall. Um, but yeah, that was my next stat. Dad, what'd you have next? So my next thing was um, another offensive uh, um, observations. Romeo Dobbs is leading all wide receivers in PFF rating for the preseason so far. And this was tweeted out, I think, by the PFF uh, um, fantasy football themselves. And I think he's, you know, and, and of course, when you have like a 42 yard catch, that's going to, that, that really, uh, that, that, that helps your, those, the way that rating is calculated, but he's, he's had a, a great hands catch on third down conversion, that crosser, um, where he, he, he reached out and getting the defenders on his back, but he, he goes and gets the ball and converts in the first down. No, 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 like double catch or, or bobble or anything. Just very yeah, clean. There's the, there's and, the thought that. As a receiver, you shouldn't let the ball cross your face there because he does. He lets it go past his face and he catches it on the I've right heard, side. I heard people mention that, but he he did keep himself between, did keep kept himself between the defender and the ball. And you know, it's a third down. Just make the play. Make it however, whatever you have to do, make it work. So yep. And then he had that forty-two yarder up the right sideline, which is just a phenomenal catch with tight coverage on him play and. Again. And and this amazing drag of the left foot to get get both feet in inbounds. Yeah, and so I, I, that was. I mean, they, and and nobody believed. John, I think it was Coon or they're like, oh well, he's getting too close to the sideline. He got too close to the sideline. Yeah, he probably did get pushed to the sideline a little bit, but he still's like manages to come up with this catch, even though he is squeezed up by the the defender close to the sideline, and he gets the right foot down, and he's just like dragging that left one across the the turf um, as he, as he pulls it in and maybe he, maybe he maybe comes up and he taps it again, but this is like a beautiful footwork. You to need get it, get it, get it in play. Get it. You in, need uh, the ultra super duper slow-mo to like, you see need like frame by is, frame. I wanted to frame by frame on that defeated. one. I think the, the most impressive part of that catch though, was the, uh, he does a nice little bit of like hand fighting and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, the school of thought that you should just always commit offensive pass interference uh, because they're not going <laughs> to call, call it one time out of 20. Exactly. So, and he gets a nice little push off there, which, you know, if it works, it works. Um, but yeah, Dobbs has been great. I mean, through two preseason games, I think he's clearly been the Packers most impactful receiver, had the touchdown in the first game, had the big, uh, the biggest play of the game in this game, had another third down conversion in this game. And he's only playing like two or three drives a game. So like all these like impactful plays are happening in a very short amount of snaps for him, which is really exciting because, you know, 
I've seen some like national media takes being like, oh, he had a really disappointing rookie season after uh, all the hype in training camp. And I'm like, honestly, I, I never saw it that way because when you look at it through the context of the, the idea that like, you know, the Packers offense as a whole was not very good. I would say he had a very solid rookie season until his ankle injury. Right. Um, I think that was the thing. After the ankle injury, I don't think he was quite the same. And maybe part of that was he wasn't physically quite the same. Yeah. And so, but I thought prior to that, he was having a very solid rookie season. And I wouldn't, I was certainly not disappointed. I think he did end on a bad note on his last game, right? He had. Detroit didn't have two drops, and that was basically all he did in that game. So that game, yeah, that one wasn't so, that one wasn't so hot. Well, you know who else had ankle injuries and then struggled with drops? His name is Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, right. So um, we've got another Devontae Adams. There's a, I'm just saying there seems People to be... People were making that comparison in his rookie, rookie trading crap. Yeah, All I know camp. is there's a uh, correlation between ankle injuries and catch rate in a sample size of two. But anyway, my <laughs> next uh, interesting stat for this game was the tackling for the Packers was much better in this game than against the Bengals. Um, they were down to four missed tackles from nine. And uh, no player had more than one missed tackle. Um, the only thing is that Isaiah McDuffie had, I think, one tackle and one missed tackle. Uh, so if he's going to have to be the starting linebacker opposite uh, Quay Walker uh, in week one, uh, assuming like Campbell can't go week one, um, which, you know, he might be able to. They did say it's not going to be too long, but we have no idea what that means uh, because it's the Packers. So, of course, we don't. Um but we're lucky we even know it's an ankle. What the, what the injury is? Yeah, but so either it's going to be Quay Walker and McDuffie against a very talented running game from the Bears. Which you know, if McDuffie is struggling tackling, that's that's not ideal. But the tackling was much better this game, um, so that's good. Um, that was my next stat. Dad, what'd you have next? So my next one is um, so sticking in the defense. I'm I'm getting like all the all the like the, the splashy you know head. Big, big flash uh, headlines. J.J. Nigbari leading the team in pressure percentage, including the two sacks he had today. And he's 15th in the NFL among all edges. Um, week two. And also, for the preseason so far, he's fifth in the league in run defense grade um, per PFF, um, which that's edge and D-line combined. Um, though and it wasn't he- as high in week two as week one. So he had a better grade week one than week two for a run defense. But... Um, and I was going to say, he's he's one of their core special teamers right now. He had, uh, I think he had a special teams tackle against the Bengals, and I know he had a special teams tackle against the Patriots. So he's just kind of doing everything out there. Yeah, and not surprisingly, he had uh, the number one pass rush grade in the league in week two. You know, when you get two sacks, force a fumble, and recover the fumble that you forced. I mean, that's a blast to play. Sack, force fumble, fumble recovery all in the same play is... I don't know. That's got to be like a max grade on that play. I guess yeah. it could have. I guess the only thing he didn't do it. was run it back for a touchdown, right? He needed to house it to get the, get the max grade. But the other thing he's showing is like a, a nice variety of moves. And and he's actually thinking the game. He's talking about it. If you, did you hear this? Uh, no, I, I didn't. That the report was he had learned in the practices that the right tackle he was going against was susceptible to that particular kind of rush. And he didn't long have arm. long arms or something, so the, the the long arm in the pads and just just I mean shoved him back into the QB. He threw like a three hundred and thirty pound man about eight. Yeah, yards. he just completely put that guy on skates. I think I saw and a that, tweet. The second one, like, someone tweeted like, "You can't tell me that's not Reggie White." <laughs> so that's what someone said. <laughs> took a man and threw and, and tackled another man with him. Yep. And and then the other one, he did like the the I think the the push pull, but basically he's like he's. Um, 
showing a variety of moves and using them particularly designed for um, his opponent, I think at least some of the time, which is uh, really advanced work. Yeah, and you know the the pressures from the Packers were way down this week. I think they only had nine after having 28 last week, but it still felt like they were getting in the backfield a lot. And enough so where I think it was um, uh, NFL Now, ESPN, uh, Orlovsky was saying like he was worried about the Patriots because of how badly they were getting manhandled up front by the Packers, which, you know, always good when you're on the other side of that. Uh, my next stat, though, is less positive for the Packers, however, uh, and it is the penalties. Uh, they had 11 penalties for 85 yards, which is Yeah, I remember, is a I remember lot. talking about this during the game, too. It was like, ooh, he's racking inter- up. They interviewed Matt LaFleur mid-game, and he said, we got to get those penalties down. They didn't get those penalties down. Uh, 11 penalties for 85 yards, and that sounds like a lot, but then remember that they only played three quarters, uh, or three and a bit. Um, if you extrapolate that out to a full game's worth, it's 13 penalties for 103 yards, which is... And I think one of them was, um, wasn't accepted, I, I believe, as well. Yeah, and I think that's the ESPN only counts the accepted penalties. Right. So um, there's there was another one in there too that could have been uh, if the play had been more successful, that could yeah. have been uh, applied. But yeah, thirteen penalties for 103 yards. It's not going to cut it. You are going to lose football games if you commit that many penalties. Um, some of them were after the play penalties, which you know after a very chippy week of practice, I can't say I'm all that surprised about. Um, but you know, some right, of them right. were some of them were like false start by Elton Jenkins that should never happen. This that was surprising. Been playing forever. Um, and then, uh, though you know, I, I will, you know, not just, for, but like Zach Tom, he had a bad grade and he had the biggest penalty, like the 15 yard, um, unsportsmanlike. like, I guess it was applied on that kickoff, but, um, that was right after they had uh late hit love or shortly after they late hit love. Yeah. And you know, in, in that possession. I, not, I appreciate them standing up for their their guy, and it was a chippy week of practice. I understand, but the, I'm more concerned about the the in infield of play penalties than anything. Obviously, last year the Packers struggled with discipline on defense. I would say specifically with getting penalties yes. after the play, and so that's oh, obviously yeah. not a trend. That and, you, and it wasn't, and it was not just Quay Walker. No, it was a there lot. Were of a lot where he like late yeah. hits out of bounds, um, in particular. Where there, yeah. I remember the stretch where he had like multiple players doing that and so you crazy yeah you can't have that lack of discipline um and so you know it's only a problem if it's a trend is kind of my view on it um but that was my next stat um dad did you have any more it looks like you have one more yeah which is in some ways kind of ties into the penalties because i feel like this was the first time we've ever heard or seen like carrington valentine struggle a bit um during the uh the off-season programs his PFF grade was only 51.4. He was called for two penalties, I think a holding and a pass interference. And he had just took a bad angle. I don't know if he was thinking about trying to cut in front for the uh, interception. And so then he was out of position to make the tackle after the reception. And that helped contribute to the long touchdown by uh, Keishon Butte. But on the plus side, he did convert his two tackle attempts. He was a decent tackler in the game. But this was a little different than what we've been hearing coming out of most of the practices about how good he's looking and how many plays he was making. This is one where he did uh, have a couple of rough plays and two of them, two of them being penalties. Yeah. I did think though, he, he stayed aggressive, which is nice. He made a couple of plays on the ball. I, I know a lot of people, I know he was like graded really poorly. Uh, there were still some like decent flashes from him. I thought in this game, I, I wasn't as harsh on his performance as I think I saw some other people being. 
No, I'm not that harsh, but it's more, it was not as good as he had been. It was, I'd say, I think it's fair to call it his, um, his worst, uh, yeah. performance I so think, far. I think that's but fair, not, but I think it's not says, on the bad side. He I still think had a pass breakup. I think that is saying more about how good he had been than how he played in this game, I think is, is for me at least. Yes. Um, my last yes. one though is Carl Brooks. Um, he had the 11th best uh, PFF defense grade in week two for defensive linemen. Um, doesn't even count the the sack that was nullified by uh, illegal contact downfield. Um, Which has, is like that that sack was so fast that contact had no effect on the play. No, there was he didn't have a prayer of getting that pass off either way. Um, and then he was 10th in uh, PFF run defense grade uh, through both the preseason games for all D line and edge. Uh, so that's really exciting for him. He's had a really nice start to camp. Really nice start to two preseason games. Matt LaFleur said he's going to be playing a lot and uh, really exciting for a sixth round pick. And it's exciting because, especially because he was so dominant in college. And then the question was, is he not big enough, strong enough, fast enough, athletic enough to translate to the NFL? And so far it's translated to the NFL quite well, I would say. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the last of the the stats we wanted to talk about in this section. Um, we do have some other things that we wanted to talk about, though. Uh, Dad, let's start with the offense. And, you know, every game we got to talk about Jordan Love. Uh, and he was pretty good in this game. Uh, five of eight for 84 yards and a touchdown. Um, and I think the big thing for me in this game was he was finally hitting some of those deep shots that have kind of eluded him a bit during the first preseason game and then during some of these practices. Um, he hit the deep ball to Dobbs, although you could say... Um, Although actually watching uh, Dan Orlovsky's breakdown, he said, the, he said, you want to put it between, I think he said like the 48 and the 50 yard line. And he put it right on the 49. And he's like, that is a perfect pass. <laughs> he said that was, he said that was absolutely perfect. And then he hit Reed for the touchdown, which was another great big play. Um, I thought he showed really nice mobility um, on that 11 yard scramble. And we had talked about previously how important that mobility is going to be for the offense and how important scrambling is for like modern NFL offenses. And, you know, he got up, got, got late hit, got up and showed some moxie, which is also pretty sick. Um, but dad, what do you think about Jordan? Yeah. Lovin? Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that, that pass to Dobbs, like that window was tiny. I mean, he's, he, it's like a half a yard, a foot in either direction, in any of the four, any any four uh, four directions is probably incomplete because yeah. because of the tight coverage on on there and the, and being pressed up against the sideline. There was, you know, there wasn't much margin for error at all on that pass, and he and he put it in there. And the pass to to Reed, he's like right on schedule. He waits for the window. He, he moves, he finds he, the line, and just puts it right on him. He talks specifically about, like, because when you watch it and you only see him and you can't see Reed or the linebacker because you're like, oh, he kind of, like, double clutches it a little. Like, he does, like, a bit of a, a hitch. Uh, or not a hitch, but he kind of, like, he looks like he's going to throw it and then looks like he hesitates and then throws it. But he talks about post game. He was like, no, yeah, the I saw him in the second window, and then the linebacker was coming through that window also. So I knew I had to pump to hold him for a second and then hit him in the second window, which is like just really high level stuff from from uh, yeah. first. And starting. when you see the play from the end zone behind Love, then you can really see how well that play is executed to to hit um, Reed in stride in the window that was available, where he could um, then continue on and get into the end zone. Yeah, and I think you know. Thinking back to the game, I think the only poor throw I would say for him, the, the incompletions were the dump off to DeGuara, which I don't think was his fault. DeGuara kind of falls on the play. Um, the other incompletion was... Yeah, that was, play was a mess. 
Yeah. Once and... once Degora falls down, that play is just shot. Yeah, and then the other incompletion was the out route to Jaden Reed on the left side. Um yeah, that was a little down. that was not really open. That was, was a little bit of a dicey throw. He had to force it a little. Uh you know, I think Reed could have maybe came down with it. Uh but you know, as tough. And then I'm trying to remember what the third incompletion was. I think there was another play that uh while you think of that and see if you can remember. Um the throw to Musgrave was the other throw that I thought was not very good in this game. He threw pretty high to Musgrave on that out route on the right side. I think I believe it was an out route. Maybe might have been a, a crosser. Uh but anyway, threw really high, and I think if he had put a better ball on him, uh, Musgrave would have been able to get upfield and maybe get some more positive yardage. Um, but those are the those are the ones that really stood out to me in this game because for the most part, you know, a lot of good throws. The throw to Dobbs on third down, not the deep throw, but the the um, the on the in breaking route, and he just we were talking about it earlier when we were talking about Dobbs. I mean, that's a perfect ball, and he has to throw it with a whole lot of pace and a whole lot of confidence because the safety's coming down on it hard or it's the safety of the corner. Either way, defensive backs coming down on it like hard and like fast and yeah. another excellent throw from him. Um, did you, were you able to find what that third incomplete? It's an incomplete pass to Musgrave. Um, Musgrave. Two plays after the 10 yard. Um, dump off to Musgrave. Pass to Musgrave. Yeah. Cause there's the, the dump off to Musgrave in the middle of the field where he ran forward and got a first down. Right. And I cannot remember. And then there's what a three-yard rush by Dylan, and then an incomplete pass to the left intended for Musgrave. I'm trying to remember how he missed him. Hmm. I can't remember that one either. But anyway, that was that was my thoughts on Love, Dad. Uh, did you have any more things you wanted to add? Um, oh, on, on Love or just in general? Um, I'll well, go to uh Maybe talk to... if you want to add anything on Love, or if not, you can go to another piece of the offense if you want. Um. So I guess I'll talk about like Sean Ryan looked like he played quite well um, driving the, um, you know, for the run game and holding up in pass pro. I think there's a couple times where I think on, um, you see him just, and I think he did a little bit of this in the Cincinnati game too, when he gets in, he's just, on, the, on some of the run blocking, he just ba- basically buries his man into another man in the pile. Um on the, on the run game. And so I thought he was looking um, like way better than he did last year. And I, I think he's moving up the depth chart for uh, um, in, interior defeats defensive linemen. Interior offensive linemen, you mean? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes. But no, <laughs> interior, I, I, interior offensive linemen. Yeah. I, I thought he, I thought he played really well. He was uh PFF had him as their fifth graded, highest graded offensive lineman. Um, they might've had, uh, Jake Hansen fourth and Royce Newman third, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, Sean Ryan, top five graded offensive lineman for the Packers in this game. That's all you need to know. <laughs> this is um, inverted. But no, eye test wise, I would say uh, he did look a lot better this game than last. Um, and, you know, no just major glaring, terrible plays, I think, but, is the big thing. Yeah. There. And I would say in general, his his progression from last year is. I mean, it, it, it's huge. I don't think we should compare him to last year. Because I, I I don't think anything any contribution would be would be more than he had last year. I mean I'm not am I wrong? That's he he didn't really do anything last year for the Packers. So I mean I, that's the thing. He's gone from doing absolutely nothing last year to looking like he could be the like first man up on the interior. Yeah. Uh, well, assuming they don't move Tom into the right. interior, leaving Tom out out of tackle, he he might be the the first man up in the interior. It, it definitely seems like it. And, you know, I 
I'm kind of surprised to say this, but I'm more confident in him right now than I am in Royce Newman, unfortunately. Um, Though Newman wasn't, he was, he's better. He just can't pick up a stunt. He just will never do it. It's been three years. He just can't do it. Even his good year, even his rookie year when he played the best, the stunt was like his kryptonite. Yeah. And I think teams have kind of figured it out. And so it's like, until he, I can see him consistently pick up like a tackle edge stunt. um, I've just, I, I just can't. I can't have faith in him at guard because he's just going to let clean rushers through. Like when you can't pick up a stunt, you just got a guy, a 300 pound man running full speed at your quarterback. You just can't, it's not right, going to work with momentum. Yeah. Um, the next thing for the offense though, that, uh, I found, found not quite as good was, um, you know, they only had the ball for, well, this is, I guess, offense and defense, but they only had the ball for two minutes and 35 seconds in the third quarter. Uh, which is just not good. Coming out of half, you got to be better than that because you like game's almost over at that point. Like there were only three total drives in in the in the third quarter because the Packers couldn't get off the field on defense and couldn't move the ball in the one drive they had. And no small sample size with one drive, so it is more of a defense thing to be honest. Just yeah, I mean there, there are only the four field. drives in the entire second half. It was cut short, but yeah, it was. So I, I guess I should have probably put that in the defensive side, but you got to do better than that coming out of half. And then the last one I had for the offense, because I wrote most of these offensive ones, was uh, it seems like there is a legitimate um, competition for that fourth wide receiver spot now. Um, you know, because I feel like through two preseason games, Heath, the Bows, and Wicks have all looked just as good as Toure. Uh, and I know Toure has the extra year of experience, um, but I, I don't think that spot should necessarily just be reserved for him, I guess is my thought. Here's a question. If they hadn't talked Toure up so much early in the offseason, would you even have him in the conversation for the number four wide receiver? So it's a good question because I think my initial thought was no. He did play well against the Bengals. He had a good, he game. Had a good game against the Bengals. He had a um, that nice run after catch in the middle of the field Yep, and a nice kick return we talked yeah, about but, last time. And but he bobbled both of those kick returns. And that's the thing. He is he's contributing more on special teams than either of than any of the other ones. Um but they are gradually getting more special team snaps, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um but you know, I thought even in that Bengals game when Torrey looked good, I thought Wicks and uh Heath looked better. Uh and then um and DeBose wasn't and, playing yet in that and, game. And then Heath and DeBose looked better in this game and Wicks obviously got hurt and we hope he's back soon. But yeah, I I think if if they hadn't talked up Torrey that much and if he didn't have, you know, I think they f- probably feel a little better about Toure in the slot than some of those other guys. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's any real reason from what we've seen on the football field to think that Toure is substantially better than any of those other three guys. Right. So we and, don't know what else, but when you're looking at their uh, their, their 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 kind of contribution in route running and in, in the passing game. And it's not like and, he has more pedigree than any of these guys. Like, yeah. yes, DeBose and, was a seventh-round pick, but so was Toure. Like, yeah, and, and uh, Wicks was a fifth-rounder. Fifth yeah, Wicks was a fifth-rounder. But uh, And Heath, DeBose, and Wicks all seem to be better blockers as well. Yeah, better size, for sure. They're bigger. They're heavier. I mean, they're made, Toure's about the same height, I think, as those guys, but... Much much skinnier. Yeah, and and he looks bigger than he did last year. That's Even after bulking true. up a little bit, he's gone up from like one eighty five to one ninety five. He still looks smaller something. than still looks smaller than everyone else, like all the other receivers in that room. But not the, I'm not saying they should get rid of Toure. I I, I think Toure is still a, a good player, and I think you know 
I was having this discussion with someone's like, hey, do you really want to keep seven receivers? I was like, I think, you know, with the way that the stage the Packers are at, they should just keep good players and not worry about, you know, roster like build up in terms of position wise. And I think that Toure as the seventh receiver is probably better than whoever they'd have as like the fifth or sixth safety at this point, to be honest. So, you know, might as well. I, I am, I am on team seven receivers in my 53 right now. And I have been for a little while. Exactly. And that, uh, yeah, so this wasn't that, as you, a, a shot at Toure. This was more about, you know, and how I know good these we, guys we, have looked. I yeah. mean, Heath has looked amazing. And DuBose and Wicks have already both made really nice plays. Um, but, yeah, I was. Yeah, it's not exactly a 53-man yeah, prediction episode. But you think about whether you're going to get people onto the, the roster or not. Uh, I, I, I'm actually, like, for, for the initial 53 they can get away with three tight ends as well as two quarterbacks and two running backs. It's certainly possible. The two running backs is one that is a big point of contention because a lot of people want to see Emmanuel Wilson on this roster. And I do too. Well, but I think they're I just, just going to do it. I think Emmanuel Wilson is going to play. Um, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be on the 53. I mean, you could argue he's been one of the most impressive running backs in any training camp for any team. So yep. you never know yes. if he's going to be there is the problem. And I suppose it's possible that somebody would uh, pick him up though. I don't know how I'd have to look back at the data, how many running backs get sniped yeah. from other squads. It's, it's always Does less common than you think these players. Well, um, it's like less than over in, in all positions combined in all teams. It's like less than one per team. Yeah. Um, it's like one that, every two teams or something, but that's kind of all we had for the offense. Um, let's move on to the defense though, dad. What, what were your, uh, any other points of discussion for the defense? Yeah, so we talked about uh, Brooks a little bit. Well, now time to talk about Colby Wooden, who I, I, I really liked a couple of plays he had. It just like, looks like he made a play. Uh, he had a tackle for a loss where he basically just you know overpowers the double team and splits it. Well, I think Slayton's got like at least one of the guys engaged, and Wooden's just like, I'm coming through right now. He looks he looks bigger, right? Then he then he didn't. Maybe he's put on some weight, but he just looked like he was like, I'm just. You know, much too 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 strong and too good for you guys. I'm just gonna push my way through here because I want to right now. You know what I think? And one of the other the reasons. Other one. Well, you know what the other reason I think that he looked small in college? He's wearing 25. Why are you wearing number 25 <laughs> as a D tackle? I think that 96 <laughs> just makes him bigger. Like, not not makes him look bigger. <laughs> he, it he actually, put on he, actually makes him bigger. He put on 71 pounds with those with that number change. I'm, I'm hey, prove me wrong. Show me, show me the math. I will wrong. not. Yes, this is true. I will not. I'm not going to be able to prove you wrong in any in any way that I can imagine. Exactly. But anyway, sorry. Um, Go on with but, but then the play was, was really... even more fun. Go ahead. Sorry. You really what? I said. I was just. I because for me, like coming out of the draft, I think you know, Wooden was one of those players. Who was like, eh, he's okay. He's fine. I but, hadn't followed him enough. I'd been looking at a lot of D tackles because I thought the Packers would take two. Um, he wasn't one of the ones I had, I think mainly because of when he was usually going compared to when the Packers were picking. I, I was off like getting one in the second round and maybe one in the fifth or sixth. So he was like not early enough to get when I was first taking like the first D tackle I was looking at and then already gone by the time I was looking again. Yeah. And, and for but, me, it's like, I, I just thought, I thought he just looked okay. Nothing really was like really popped off, but I, I personally on my first two watches and I, I, I think my, you know, my, my general feel was, you know, I lo- I'm a real I'm real high on Carl Brooks. Like, I think Carl Brooks is great. I actually thought on initial watch that um, Colby Wooden 
And, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I thought Colby Wooden was actually maybe better than Carl Brooks in this game even. Um, and, you know, I, Carl Brooks has, has been had a better camp, has had, was better in the first preseason game, and was excellent in this preseason game also. But I, I actually thought Colby Wooden impressed me even more in this game. And maybe it's because I, I expect more from Carl Brooks at this point because I'm, I am that high on Carl Brooks. But yeah, and we even hear thought. a lot about how good Brooks is looking in the practices too and how often he's in the backfield. But I didn't, I didn't even talk about the play that I thought was kind of the most fun where – wouldn't helps Brooks make a play and and go in for uh, to pressure Zappy on the, the throwaway by basically taking out like maybe two or three blockers. He's like, okay, I've got this guy trying to block me. I'm just going to go run full speed into the ear hole of uh, the, of the center, the, yeah, the center here trying to block Brooks and knock him. Just blew him up, yeah. And I'm going to knock him and the guy next to him down, and and, and the the guy who's blocking him followed him too, and so then Brooks just had. Was kind of almost unimpeded. Yeah, that it right like, guard was that right guard that was on uh, Wooden was playing the Royce Newman role. He was. He yes. said, "Let me just follow but you." Thing, but it's like it looked like just Wooden knocked those two guys over so easily. Two two offensive linemen, and he just knocks them both down in yeah. one shot. Just blew them up, and that that was part of what I was saying. It was like he looks he looks bigger than did than he did in uh, college. Um, the the next thing was actually also something that you had written, and I I hadn't noticed this as much, so I'll I'll leave it back to you. Um, but you had something on uh, you didn't think Douglas. Yeah, so I was watching at the very beginning. So after the the Packers turned the ball over on the bad snap, um, the the Patriots get the ball deep in Packers territory, and like was it the first two plays, two really early plays, um, two completions to um, Kendrick Bourne covered by um, Russell Douglas, and back to back actually, where the first one. I think he, he he is outside for a quick gain of a few yards, and then um, Douglas gets beat inside for a 13-yard gain, for a longer gain. And so I just felt like he had a rough start to the game in coverage, and then I don't think he played all that long. So I think that was just a, a little bit of a rough start for uh, for Razul um, when the Patriots got the ball there and had their and got their first score of the game. And they really should have had a stop on that drive, though. Is the thing, and then they the penalty yes. on third down, and the it. penalty on third down to give it to him at the one. Yeah, yeah. And then last thing for and the then day. the other touchdown, they actually is a fourth ahead. and two scrambling around that they they yep. Um, Brenton Cox went head down going in for the the pressure and just left the side wide open. Yeah, it's a learning moment, but yeah, that's, right. That's so nice. a couple of these I think are just right. They're um inexperienced plays that gave up uh, some some touchdowns exactly and then the the last little bit for some additional notes was special teams um Andres carlson went three for three on kicks uh, two extra points but the third one was a 52 yard field goal as part of a two minute drill uh two minute drill to end the first half nice day for the rookie that 52 yarder would have been good from probably like 58 59 um yeah and he, then- he pounded that one and then according to Paul Brettel, uh, leaders in special team snaps, because, you know, this is going to be what decides those bottom, like, 10-ish spots of the roster. Um, Anthony Johnson, Aaron Mosby, and Patrick Taylor all had 11. Keandre Thomas had 10, and Dre Miller had 9. Um, and then some increased special team snaps from last week to this week. Um, this is also per Paul Brettel uh, on Twitter, um, which we t- mentioned briefly earlier. Uh, Malik Heath played six snaps on special teams after playing just one versus Cincinnati. Uh, Grant DeBose played four snaps on special teams and then Emmanuel Wilson played two snaps on special teams. Um, let's move on though, to players of the game oh, though. De- I just oh, sorry, wanted to add a little note into a uh, Grant DeBose's, uh, special teams. 
Yeah, I think I think I caught it out of one of the the punt coverage he was on. He was a gunner, and he was there when they fair caught the ball. He was the first man down, forced the fair catch. Thought it was a, a nice special teams rep. Rich Bisaccia uh, is going to love that. That's yeah. That's that's going to be one of his guys soon enough. Um, players of the game though, Dad. Uh, for me, I had three. Uh, JJ Anigbari. We talked about him a bunch already. Uh, two sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a special teams tackle. I mean. What more? You, what more do you want? And then I also had Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. Uh, I felt like I had to have both of them. I, I it felt wrong to leave either one of them out. <laughs> it kind of a uh, you know bookends that exactly. set. I just had three D linemen, which is is pretty great for you know it's it <laughs> three, is weird. Three, well, th- three yeah three three for three in the front. Yeah, it's it is weird though that they only ended up with like nine pressures. It felt like so much more. Uh, but anyway, continue. So I had I guess and mine were both on offense. Which is weird. Some of the other notes I had all defense and you had all offense. Now we're picking players of the game. Uh, you had you had defenders and I'm picking offense. But I'm going with Malik Heath. So I thought he had really strong hands through contact. He got drilled on the pass to the left. Um, that I think it was almost the same play as the one that Dubose got, where they both passes by Clifford out into the 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 the, the um, gap between the corner and the safety, and they both got rocked. Right after the catch, and both held on, but he's like strong hands. He basically, I think, saved Clifford from throwing a pick on another play over the middle, yep. where there like five defenders there. And, I don't know what and, Clifford uh, saw. And Heath play. runs in and jumps up and gets it. I what? have no idea. I have no idea what Clifford was looking at at that play. He's like, <laughs> in the middle of the field. Because when the time he throws it, he's not even in that in position there yet. He's running across the middle, like, oh, I got to go up and get this one. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know what the the thought process on that one was. Um, and, and and the and the run after the catch where he's like ducks under the tackler and uh, yeah. continues upfield yeah. for a first down was a nice another nice play. So I thought he's looking really good. Um, and then Rashid Walker, I'm giving him some shout outs for getting the start at left tackle. Yeah, we kind of moving up the, the depth there. chart. Yeah, that was that's a that's a big deal for him. And the fact they they trusted him to be out there with the ones is is huge. Yeah. He played really well, so that's awesome. Playing, um, you know, loves blindside starting. It seems to have moved ahead of Nyman. Yeah, um, in the depth chart. Firmly, he's looking really steady ahead. out there. And as we know from when he was in college at Penn State, he finishes his blocks often. Yes, often. Sometimes on the ground. Sometimes he's still finishing the block. Flagrantly, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, that's kind of uh, the last of the breakdown for the game. But last thing is rookie update. Um, I'm just going to go through each of them, Dad, one by one, how I thought they did, and maybe just want to chime in and add something uh, as we go. Um, I thought Lucas Van Ness was better this game than last, I thought. Um, he was pretty lowly graded by PFF, like really lowly graded by PFF. He did have a pressure in this game though, uh, which was pretty good. Um, I thought Musgrave had a fine day. Um, he well, did this, well to- this, this game, it wasn't so bad for his, uh, his grade for Van Ness? defense. Am I, yeah. am I misremembering? 75.8 overall. Oh, okay. Okay. Must his pass rush wasn't one. good. His overall uh, grade was, was pretty good, but his pass rush grade, they did not, uh, um, grade very highly, but his overall coverage, tackling, run defense, Gave him an overall um, decent grade. Okay, that's that's good for him to to have that success after after struggling more in that first game. Yeah, I guess the first game he was really poorly graded for them, um, and he did still have. Yeah, impression. that was that was that one was bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and yeah, you know he's a very raw prospect. We all remember how it took Gary a little while to come along, and I think we need to have that same patience with Van Ness. Um, Musgrave had a fine day, I would say. Um, he did well to catch that slightly high thrown ball on that uh, route from Love earlier in the game. I would say he blocked sufficiently on that Patrick Taylor touchdown, uh, and he yeah. held up and pretty then, well. Sorry, and ahead. then I, w- I was adding in, we were talking earlier, 
that he had a one-on-one pass pro rep on the edge um, uh, against uh, uh, one of their back, one of the Patriots backup uh, edge rushers. Uh, but he's been there for a couple of years, been in the league a couple of years, and held up decently enough on the on the re touchdown. Um, yeah. Didn't let the guy pass him. As I would say it was a win for, for Musgrave on that. So I think he's showing the ability to make blocks. It's still improving, but yeah. it's not. He's not allergic to it. No, it's not. It's not Jimmy Graham. It's, it's like, not breaking out in hives when he tries to block. Yeah, he's not. He's no Mercedes Lewis, but he's also not Jimmy Graham. He's like somewhere in the middle. Um, I thought Reed had another really nice day. He got blown up in blocking, but he did have that touchdown. I and I think that, that, I saw a replay of that rep. I didn't see it yeah. during the game. It's like, oh yeah, he just got knocked back five five yards. Yeah, I mean he's a smaller guy. Um, but he, I thought the catch on his touchdown was underrated. I think not enough people talked about how nice of a catch that was. Kraft had well, a really plus, non. Then he runs through contact after he's got it too to just. Power into yeah. the end zone. It was a bit of a preseason tackle attempt, though. Um, <laughs> uh, Tucker Craft had a really nondescript day. I honestly barely noticed him. Colby Wooden had a very nice day, like we already talked about. Sean Clifford, uh, we didn't talk about him much, but he was very solid again today and showed again why he should be the backup quarterback. Uh, 13 of 19 for 137 yards. Didn't have any picks in this game, which was huge for him. Not for lack of trying. Uh, he definitely was throwing that ball in harm's way quite a bit. In and, this game. and throwing his receivers in harm's way. Yes, that's something but he's like, got to work on. But I thought still played quite well in this game. Still clearly like playing like a good, solid backup quarterback of the NFL. Dontavian Wicks got hurt in this one. You know, hopefully he's all right. Hamstrings are always tough. Yeah, Brooks I think was... he tried to stay in a couple of plays after he first tweaked it too, based on when he started kind of reaching for it. He finished out the uh, possession where Taylor scored on the running play. Yeah, Brooks was borderline dominant. Carlson went three for three, like we talked about. Valentine, we already talked about, didn't have a great day, but I think made some plays on the ball. Nichols still injured. Anthony Johnson, who we didn't talk about. Um, besides that poor angle on the Patriots touchdown, I actually thought he played pretty well. Um, and then DeBose in his preseason debut uh, looked pretty solid. Two catches for 27 yards on four targets, including a pretty impressive catch where he got hit pretty hard. Um, and yeah, and then Malik Heath, we already talked about, has been very good pretty much every time he's touched the field for the backers and i think brenton cox was making some plays too oh, yes. uh, except for that one where he gave up the the edge but otherwise i'd say he's been doing pretty well yeah he was someone i forgot to mention but he he also had a pressure he had a quarterback hit um in this game uh yeah good stuff from him arguably has looked better than lucas van ness so far uh but that's fine it, is venice a raw prospect i'm not really worried about it at all um dad anything you wanted to add on the uh rookies before we uh, wrap this thing up no i think we've covered it uh, so carlson was looking like though i don't know if we want to talk about carlson's performance in practice today eh, after having a good about, talking about practice <laughs> talking about practice not so a game. He's, a ga- he's a gamer he's, he's a, gamer. a gamer not a game not a game i'm just saying when he has had his starting long snapper he's only missed one kick in game I'm just saying. One of those missed kicks against Cincinnati, he had the backup long snapper. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, everyone. Um, once the season starts in earnest, we'll get back to doing two a weeks. For now, we'll be doing one a weeks. You know, Maybe we'll go to two a weeks sooner. We haven't really decided yet. We've talked about it. But like we said before, if you like what you heard, subscribe. Uh, we would really appreciate it. It'd really help our numbers. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter for all of your Packers news needs, at FatherSonPacker is the handle there. Um, but thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.